All right, church, good morning. Let's get our Bibles and Bible apps open to Acts chapter 8. We're going to take a look at a story that most people call the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're going to have, hopefully, something that you'll be able to take with you this week because we're in a season where a lot of people are asking very, very sincere and important spiritual questions. And my hope is that this story will, even if it's you or if it's a friend of yours or somebody that you know, you see online, this will give you a chance to be able to, um, to help them and minister to them in some way. So going back to uh, the church and its early development in the book of Acts, Apostle Philip one day hears the voice of the Lord, and he tells Philip to get up and to head down a desert road. So that's exactly what Philip does. He obeys, and then as he goes, Philip sees a chariot right out here in the middle of nowhere, and it's carrying in there an Ethiopian eunuch, somebody who was an official in the court of Queen Candace. And it just so happens, it says in the Bible, that he was reading a certain chapter of Scripture, happened to be Isaiah 53. And the Holy Spirit tells Philip to run after that chariot, to just go and run alongside it. So when Philip gets up alongside the chariot, he hears what the eunuch is reading. Apparently he was reading it out loud. And he asks him, as he's running alongside the chariot, do you understand what it is that you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I understand unless somebody explains it to me? And so he invites Philip to go up under the chariot and talk with him. And so they read a portion of Isaiah 53 together. And then this is what happens in Acts 8, 34 to 39. Follow along with me. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. So just to review again what took place. Philip is there one day, and God asks him to head down this particular deserted road, so he does. There he sees a chariot with an Ethiopian eunuch sitting inside. God says, hey, go run up alongside that chariot. And so in obedience, he does that very thing. He takes off and he goes down uh, right up alongside the chariot. He can hear what the eunuch is reading out loud. And he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how am I supposed to understand this? Uh, I'm teaching some freshmen in uh, Religion 101 right now. I can tell you this is a very real thing, that a person can read the Bible and have no idea whatsoever what it means. That's what the case is with the eunuch. And so Philip says, would you like me to help you? He hops into the chariot. They talk together. And the eunuch thinks it's the greatest thing he's ever heard in his life. At some point, the subject of baptism comes up and he says, hey, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? And so they just go ahead and they do it right there. And then the next thing you know, they part ways and they never see each other again. But it says that the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. So this morning, just briefly, I want to give you a few ways that you too can chase the chariot, if you will, that you can be obedient to how God might put you in proximity to people who don't yet know Jesus and how it is that we can go ahead and bring a person to the saving knowledge of the Lord in what we do and how we speak. So step one is this, listen to the Spirit. 
Some say, well, if we just did this, or if we just came at it from this direction, or if our church just did this, or if I just did this, uh, then we would find some magical key, and uh, baptism would become the new epidemic. But the mystery of the human heart is not so easily solved. Nobody knows this better than God. He created us, and He pursues us, even as we flee His reign in our lives. So if just actually spreading the gospel, to use, put that in quotes, were the only factor in evangelism, everybody who ever heard it would believe. But people are different. Evangelists are different. The evangelized are different. And that's why we don't just see one way of leading a person to Jesus there in Scripture, other than this one, that you obey the Spirit's leading in the process. So that's certainly the case here in the book of Acts. Luke tells us, that Philip went wherever the Spirit sent him. He obeys God. He goes down the desert road. Reminded me a little bit of Abraham when I read it. When God tells Abraham, okay, pack up your stuff and go, he doesn't necessarily tell him where or why. He just simply gives him the instruction to go. And he goes, and God continues to lead him day after day after day. He tells Philip, go down the desert road. So Philip goes down the desert road. He sees a chariot. He says, run up alongside the chariot. doesn't make a lot of sense. He doesn't know who's in the chariot. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do when he gets there. God just says, run up alongside, and therefore he does it. He runs after the chariot because the Spirit tells him to. So picture that scene. I mean, that would be strange. Imagine you were the guy sitting in the chariot, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, on a desert road, a guy comes uh, hot and heavy up next to the, to the chariot, breathing and panting, and, hey, do you know what's going on? You don't know who the guy is. I mean, the whole scene is very, very strange, and yet it's one that that exists because of obedience and because of the obedience of Philip in the process of how God was reaching out to the Ethiopian eunuch, he is able to come to the Lord and, they, and he goes on his way rejoicing, having known now the saving uh, work of Jesus Christ. God knew that the eunuch was searching at the moment and so he brought Philip and the eunuch together. Philip's obedience to the Holy Spirit sets the stage for the experience. So again, I imagine when the Spirit spoke to him and said, run up alongside that chariot, he probably did a, a double take. And it also makes me think to myself, I wonder how many times God's tried to nudge me toward a particular person, but it never happened because I wasn't listening. Or even then, when I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go and run up alongside a chariot, if you will, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't understand why or I was preoccupied and didn't take the time to do it. If you're looking at one of the few ways to make some lemonade, one of the few silver linings in the current situation we're in, take a look at this one. I'm going to bet, I guess I shouldn't bet, but I'm gonna bet anyway. I'm going to bet that you are going to have people in your path that you already know. You've seen them online. They're already a part of your life. They may be in your family. They may be sitting to your right or your left right now that you know need somebody to come up alongside them and ask them, do you understand what's going on right now? Do you understand what you're reading is what the question was in the chariot. Sometimes the question reads a little bit differently in everyday life. Sometimes it's, why do you think that happened? Or why do you think you're feeling that way? Merely one of the reasons that communion with God is so important, in, in my opinion, is because the Spirit gives guidance as to who, to what, to when, to where, to why, and the how of sharing yourself with Jesus Christ. So the closer I get to God, the better I am, the more sensitive to it I am, the more obedient I become to the Holy Spirit's work in my life. 
one of my best friends in this world, even to this day. I remember when I first uh, encountered him in college, he was, uh, it, he was two years ahead. He was a math whiz, but he was pretty rough around the edges. He drank heavily. He smoked constantly. And he used to get so frustrated because he would come, he was trying to kind of come back to church there in college, but everybody kept telling him that he drank too much and he smoked too much, which I guess if you smoke at all, that's probably too much, but you get the drift. So he goes um, to me one day, we were just off to the side talking, and he says, you know, I know they're right. But he goes, um, so if I keep drinking and smoking, are you and I still going to be friends? And I thought about it. And I thought then about the question that's underneath it. And so I said, uh, I'll call him Greg. I said, Greg, look, if you drink and smoke the rest of your life, you and I are still going to be friends. You got it? And furthermore, if you never come back to church, you and I will still be friends. See, the question there was, do you, was really what I was trying to get through to him was, do you know why you drink and smoke as much as you do and why it bothers people as much as it does? The answer was kind of under the surface. What he was looking for was for somebody to be willing to love him unconditionally. That's what was underneath the surface of the question. Now, we'd been friends for a while, but the time was never right to run up alongside that chariot, really. And so at some point, God just kind of took me and shoved me into the corner with this guy because I wasn't willing to run. I probably could have had a dialogue with him a long, a long time uh, beyond that. But he ended up coming back, came back to know the Lord, and is a devout believer to this day. It didn't, it, it, the, the way that we encounter people has to begin with questions like what Philip does here. It can't begin with doctrinal platitudes and it can't begin uh, anywhere other than where the Spirit directs you in that particular encounter. Is there a chariot that God wants you to run up alongside? I mean, just don't think about the chariot that you think that uh, others want you to run alongside. Really try to get in tune with where the Spirit of God might want you to go. The first step in becoming a real, if you will, evangelist, actually being able to share your faith with people, is being evangelized. It's about being fully committed to God for the reason that we just talked about. Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a story called the parable of the soils. I've referred to it often at New Vintage. But in there, he tells a story about seed that falls on different parts of the road. You've got some that falls on the rocky ground, some that falls on the path, and some lands in the fertile soil. And they all grow differently. In one case, it doesn't, the heat burns it up. In another, the birds come and grab it. and In another, it really flourishes. But the key to whether the growth takes place or not is not how much seed falls in that spot. It's the ground in which it's planted. And I want to suggest to you that the way that we approach the Christian faith needs to begin with what's going on in here. And if you want to be effective at helping people come to meet Jesus, it, be it begins by meeting him yourself and really going as deeply as you can into the word of God, into prayer, and getting to know the God that you're going to try to introduce other people to so that you can recognize the voice of God when he's nudging you down that desert road up alongside the chariot. And so that uh, you'll be ready to actually, when, when to, to ask somebody, hey, you know, do you understand what you're reading? And can I help you with that? Are we listening to the voice of God for opportunities? 
be sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit, and that means staying in step with the Spirit. One of the things that I try to be mindful of is that it's important that I encounter God in a very powerful way, but also that I continue to grow and continue to go more deeply into the Word of God, not just for my own sake and for what I get out of it, though I get a ton out of that, but it's so that I'm ready when that moment comes that I know how to introduce somebody to Jesus because I, I actually know him myself. That if I'm ever called upon to, to share the faith with somebody, that I can answer at least some of the basic stuff uh, about that. And if not, that then I'm willing to say, hey, you know what, I'm not 100% sure of that, but here, let's go find the answer together and take them with me to go find those answers. So that's step one. Step two, listen to others. My friend Lynn Sweet tells a, a kind of a funny story about how he would get in years like the one we're in now, all these political survey callers. Back in the old days, before robocalling was a thing, they used to actually have a person on the other end of the line that would call you and ask you a sequence of questions. Well, he tells a story about once when he got a call from a lady and uh, she was asking him to participate in one of these surveys. So she starts off, he says, hello, and she starts asking him just a complete barrage of questions. And he says, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you and whom do you represent? And so she tells him and then immediately starts back in with the questions. And then she goes, excuse me, uh, he, he says, excuse me, uh, what's the purpose of the survey again? Sir, she replied irritably. She says, I don't have time to answer your questions. And then she hung up on him. So here she is wanting to ask him a bunch of questions, but she won't let him ask any at all. I think we often approach our dialogue with people who aren't people of faith in the same way. We want one ways. We want monologues rather than a dialogue that begins by listening. Philip meets the eunuch at the point of his question. He goes up alongside the chariot, not as a speaker, but as a listener. First he hears, then he asks, then the eunuch gives him an answer, and then he responds. Meet people where they are, sister and brothers. How do you know where they are? You have to listen. I mean, not a little bit. You have to really listen. You listen to them, and you listen to the Spirit. There was a book called Surprising Insights of the Unchurched that was released earlier in the 2000s. And it seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? And we didn't, I think, uh, at the time, it was a pretty groundbreaking book. Well, they just kind of refreshed all that research a couple of years ago. And one of the things that there's a reason it was called Surprising Insights from the Unchurched. And the reason was uh, that they were surprising insights from the unchurched. And so they laid them out there for us, and people were very surprised by what they saw because at the time, there, were, there was a lot of uh, just talking and, and uh, chatterboxes out there talking about what everybody needed to do to help reach people uh, for Jesus. But when they sat down and they actually did person-to-person -person interviews at some length of people, they found uh, a lot of different things that uh, really were pretty surprising. Let me just give you a few. Uh, they, back then, it was very popular for people to think that the name of the church itself was a big deal to people, and they found out it really wasn't a very big deal. Uh, there were some that thought that the biggest factors going were, for instance, music and things like that. In reality, uh, the three biggest factors for reaching those folks was preaching, doctrine, and relationships, which shocked everybody because we all thought it might have had to do with uh, you know, smoke pots and lights and all that stuff, and it's not that it doesn't matter. 
but it, it did demonstrate that we often don't understand people as well as we think they do. I see this happen a lot between parents and children. Uh, parents assume that their kids want this or that from them, when in reality, the kid wants this or that from them. And so again, I can't emphasize enough what this text teaches us about listening. If we take the time to listen, I believe that God will show us what people need to hear right now in the moment we're in. And then lastly, share what you have. Step three. Philip is able to explain it to his friend. He never, it never ceases to amaze me how often I have people ask me to study with their friend. I always ask them, is there a reason that you don't want to do it yourself? And without fail, it's almost always the same answer. They don't think that they know enough or that they don't think they would have the right answers. And this is why I really do encourage everybody at New Vintage and Beyond to get into the Word of God yourself, to continue to grow in Christ yourself and to pay attention to what is spoken and what is prayed and what is sung when we're together. Because it goes way beyond just how it makes me feel personally or whether it connects with me personally, though I certainly obviously would like that for myself. I'd like it for you as well. But, but we, need to be, we need to understand the missional reason behind that too. I don't just listen for what I can get out of it. I listen for the sake of the world. I want to understand God so that I can understand God enough to be a blessing to other people should they search for God. I study the word for God's sake first, but then also for the sake of the world. I pray to God first, but I also pray on the world's behalf. So right now, I want to know the God that I should pray to, and I want to be in partnership with him intimately, in spiritual soul partnership, so that I can engage God on a daily basis for the world that I'm in, for the people that I know. Uh, maybe like you, um, or not like me, you know, you're at a point where you're watching and you can see that there are all sorts of things going on, special moments in people's lives that are getting missed right now because of all that's going on around us. People are losing loved ones. Um, I have multiple friends who were supposed to get married last weekend to change their world, turned it upside down. Uh, my own daughter's uh, birthday was this past week, you know, and it was a different kind of birthday for her, you know. And so as we're doing this, the ability to know how to connect with God for the sake of others and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, how can I, how can I help you understand what's going on in the world? I wouldn't put it exactly that way, but I would definitely go in with that heart. What, what are you thinking about? What's on your heart? Talk to me and listen, listen, listen. Listen, the way that Philip does is he runs up alongside the chariot. And then when God provides the moment, be willing to share what you have. Imagine, if you will, Philip running up alongside the chariot and a couple of different things happening. Let's say that just hypothetically the text read this way instead. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, unless somebody explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then Philip sat next to him and said, I don't have any idea either. Now, then we have a problem, right? It's about being ready. It's about being ready for how God can move in the world and use you as an instrument of peace in the time and the place we're in. I know we're anxious, okay? Um, the Bible tells us not to be anxious, but there's at least a little anxiety in almost everybody right now. 
Okay? But even as we do that, we have an amazing opportunity here to run up alongside some chariots as listeners first and to be able to serve people. And we're going to be better equipped to do that if our walk with the Lord Jesus is strong and thriving and a, a source of strength for us personally so that we have something to offer people. Here's what you need to know. God may have put that person in your life just like the eunuch was placed in Philip's. That doesn't mean that you have to have all the right answers. It does mean probably at the very least you should be willing to accompany them on their spiritual journey. You should be willing to get into the chariot, even if you can't explain what goes there. And then know how to get the chariot to somewhere where those answers can be found. If you don't know the answer to somebody's question, admit it. Nobody has the answer to everything. And tell them that you will search out the answer together with them and somebody who does know the scriptures. But this is extremely important, sisters and brothers, for the moment we're in right now. Amidst the chaos, okay, amidst all of those things, amidst the, um, the panic and all of that stuff, if you listen, you'll hear the voice of God pointing you toward a desert road. He might be aiming you at some chariot. Run up alongside that person. You might hear it when the Facebook timeline is scrolling down. You might see it when somebody's story clicks on Instagram. You, might, you may see it in the supermarket. You might, it might be a coworker. It might be a boss. But if you will listen, if you will listen, God will tell you which way to go. Sometimes that's hard when the anxiety turns us toward the inside. But if we're willing to let the peace of God take over the inside and turn ourselves outside, I think we'll be amazed at the opportunities that are out there. Southeast Christian Church, uh, a church in Louisville, Kentucky, some time ago, I remember going there for a site visit and just kind of trying to learn from them and what they were doing. Uh, they'd baptized over a thousand people each year for six years in a row at the time. And we asked them, well, what do you think has been the secret to this? And their, their answer was very simple. They said, lots of God. And they said, the best particular program, if you will, that they had was sitting down with new Christians and encouraging them to become evangelistic while they still had a lot of those secular friendships. What are they saying? They know where all the chariots are. And they have a heightened sense of what God might be trying to do in their life. So it'd be interesting to know. I wish I knew how the eunuch story ended from there. Like, we know he went on his way rejoicing. But then, what was his next conversation like? When he went, walked through the door of his house, what did he say? Whose lives did he impact down the road? We don't know for sure. But I'm sure just as the fire was burning brightly in him when Philip and he separated, my guess is that that fire continued to burn in him, at least for some time. And he was able to impact the lives of a lot of people around him. Now, people won't always have the answers. And if you're newer to the faith, it's okay. It, nobody has all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But you can have the fire, and the sphere of influence to make a huge difference for God. So, let me invite you, if you're a Philip, pay attention to the voice of God. Hear what the Spirit might be saying to you, pointing you toward a desert road, telling you to run up alongside some sort of chariot. And if you're a eunuch, so to speak, if you're a person that's there on the road, 
Open the Word of God. Take some time to try to get to know God. And invite those who might be running up alongside your chariot to come in and sit a while. And to be willing to ask them, what, uh, what does this mean? And to talk. We have this thing at New Vintage. Uh, it's been going on for 2,000 years. We call it communion. And it's so pivotal to us because it ties us together. And even though we're separated right now in all the different places that we are in our homes and different places at this point in time, it still ties us together. It's very simple. It's some bread, unleavened bread, and some fruit of the vine, grape juice. It's what we usually use here at New Vintage. And we take those together as a symbol of the body and blood of Christ who died for our sins. The text that was being read in the chariot between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch was Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. It's a very, very famous uh, verse from Scripture. And it talks about how the Messiah would come and he would suffer and die on behalf of those who were sinful and how God would use that to redeem uh, those who were sinful. That's us. And so as we close out the service today, we want to allow some time for you to take that moment, to take that moment and to share communion with those around you, and even if, if you're by yourself this morning, to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever you may be, and to remember those who are out there that have yet to know that word. The same word that finds the eunuch on that particular day. And so as we do this morning, let's remember Jesus first, the one whose body and blood we remember at this time, but also what he came for, which was for all that were lost. And invite God to use us as instruments of peace here in the world and people who can share that message with others. So let me pray for us as we close our service this morning. Our Heavenly Father, right now, we remember Jesus Christ, the one who came and who died on our behalf. We thank you, Father, for the gift of communion and how it ties us together, especially at moments like these where we long to be together face to face. Um, but right now, Father, that's just not possible. So while we're here, we know, Father, that we are still unified in Jesus. We're united by the same blood and the same body, Father, uh, that we always have been. And so this morning, Father, we celebrate that. We also invite you to uh, demonstrate to us, Father, show us who it is that you might have us to have a conversation with, to share the good news with in some way, shape, or form. Father, this world is full of anxiety. It is full of chaos right now. And so, Father, the one who calmed the winds and the waves, uh, Father, we ask for his power and presence to be among us right now and help us take the message of peace forward from this place. We thank you for our time of worship together, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.